Today we began a journey for six weeks looking at the end times. It's a daunting task for a preacher to talk about a thousand seven years in six weeks. But it's also one that needs to be talked about. We live in what I would say are the last days. I don't just say that to put fear or panic because if you're a Christ follower, there is no fear or panic. But it creates a sense of urgency for us. A sense that says we need to tell others that Christ will rapture the church. That Jesus will do what he said he would do. And as we unfold over the next six weeks, we'll be talking about things like 666, the marks of the beast. We'll be talking about the tribulation period. We'll talk about the two witnesses and the seal judgments, the bold judgments. We'll be talking about the eternal state in the millennial reign. We'll be talking about Satan and the false prophet and the beast being thrown into the lake of fire. We'll also talk about the eternal state of heaven where believers will finally end up. And Jesus has charted out through scripture a plan that will be fulfilled. A plan that we are living in, a, a time in which any person who has a study, who studies the Word of God would say, these are the last days. And so for me, I want you to be prepared. And a question I'll ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready for what we would say the next thing that's about to appear on the timeline of the end days, the rapture? Will you be one of those who will be raptured out? of the earth because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We should work it out in such a way that we are working out what we know to be true within us. And there should be evidence in our lives that Jesus Christ is alive and well and is our Lord and Savior. And if there isn't, the question begs an answer. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? So I encourage you to join us in this journey for six weeks. Today we set the stage. The stage will be set that says these are the things that are to come. We'll fill in a few pieces, but there's much more. Things that you've never maybe studied in the book of Revelation. Listening about beasts and, and animals and, and all kinds of things that will fill our earth during the tribulation period. So my hope is this. That today you'll get a taste, not just for the events and facts and we walk away and say, wow, look at my notes that I have, front and back, front and back, and I covered the whole bulletin. We don't want facts for facts. We want these to motivate you to live on mission for Jesus Christ. So I want you to join with me. And maybe you know someone who doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. One of the most tragic moments in humankind would be to be left behind, left behind when the rapture occurs, thinking that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7 that many will look, stand before him on that day and say, but Lord, we did this, and Lord, we did that, and Lord, we did that. But he will respond by saying, but only a few will be able to respond and know me. And so many think they're on the narrow path, but only a few find the way. So today, grab your Bibles. We're going to go on a journey. Hopefully you brought a pen to take notes. Hopefully you brought a Bible. And turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. 
If you don't own a Bible, take this Bible home. It's a gift from Grace Community Church. And if you've been collecting them over the last 10 weeks, bring the more nine back next week and let someone else use them. But turn to 1 Thessalonians and we'll set the stage for what is about to take place. Let me begin by saying this regarding the stage is set for the end times. There's much discussion in our world about the coming events that are about to take place. The next event on the timeline, as we know it for the last days, the end, is a term called the rapture. I bet you never even used that term this week in your talk with your children. It's not a word that we use very often. You might have shared the, the, the sermon page on Facebook and used the word rapture. But the word rapture means to be pulled out. It means to be called out. It means to be taken from. And so the next event on the timeline of the end days is the rapture. Yet, what is even more significant is there must be events that take place. And so we say things like, boy, all the, it seems like all the prophecy has been fulfilled. Why hasn't Christ come back? So anytime you hear someone say, boy, we know that the rapture is occurring because these events have taken place, the rapture is an imminent time. We don't know when it's going to happen. So there aren't signs in scripture that point towards the rapture. There are signs that point towards the second coming of Christ. Let me pull away and say it this way. We have Thanksgiving and we have Christmas. And so you know that Christmas is coming when you go to the stores and about 16 months ahead of time, the Christmas trees come out. You know it's about to take place. Christmas is coming. And if that's, if that's the case, then you know Thanksgiving has to happen before Christmas. But if you walked into the department stores today and you walked a couple weeks, a couple months, three months before Christmas, or however far back it is, and you began to see Christmas presents, and you began to see Christmas deals and Christmas trees and, and Christmas decorations and, and lights, you know Christmas is coming because you see evidence that these things have been put into place. So when we say things like this, we know Christ is coming and the rapture is about to occur because these signs have been fulfilled. The signs that we see in Matthew 24 and through Scripture point to the second coming and not to the rapture. But if the second coming is Christmas, then let's make the rapture Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving comes before Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. Lines always get beat. I love watching that happen. So, my wife, are you in the room here somewhere? Sorry, Ann. But we know that Christmas is coming because Thanksgiving has to happen before that. So, if... The second coming is coming and there's evidence that's taking place, then Thanksgiving, the rapture, has to occur before that. So we know because there's evidence that this is coming, that this is happening. Scripture doesn't have signs for the rapture because if it did, then it wouldn't be imminent. It wouldn't happen in the, the twinkling of an eye. It wouldn't be uh, something that we weren't, that we could not hear it and be surprised by it. I want to lay out a timeline for you. And when you walked in today, you were given a timeline in your bulletin. Hopefully you didn't bypass that today because there's some very important information that was placed in your bulletin. It's a timeline. So if you need a timeline, just hop over the seat in front of you and single guys, if you see a single gal, just snuggle over and say, let's timeline together. This is your chance. 
But here's a chance for you to see the timeline. And so on this timeline, we're going to be talking about a very small picture of this timeline. It's far to your right, and you'll see a bunch of round pictures. They're called dispensations, and we'll talk briefly about those in the weeks ahead. And you'll see that we are presently in the dispensation of six, the church age. But there will come a time where the millennial kingdom will come, and we will talk about that. But let's set up this timeline so that we don't get lost. There's a lot that happens from, let's begin by saying, this is today. This is today. This is where we're at. The next great event that takes place on this eschatological timeline is called the rapture. Now, the rapture is an event that takes place where Jesus himself raptures out, we'll look at that, we're going to read it in a second, where he pulls out those are saved. So, you don't want to be left behind from the rapture, but the only way you're raptured, you have a relationship with Christ. The next major event on this timeline is the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus. That's a significant time. However, there's a period between the rapture and the second coming called the tribulation period. We'll spend a Sunday talking about the events of the tribulation. This is seven years long, and it's a period between the time that the church is raptured out, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the return. The second coming is when we return with Christ on white horses, and we return with him. And I've told you before, it'd be awesome if we came back on our Harleys, on a steel horse. But anyhow, this is an opportunity when we come back with Christ. We'll talk about that. This event, the tribulation period, is divided into two periods. You have the first three and a half years, three and a half, and the second three and a half years. The second three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. We'll talk about that in detail in the weeks ahead. So this is divided between two periods. The next big event on that timeline is called the thousand year millennial reign. So there's a thousand year period. So today, rapture, seven year tribulation period, the church is gone. They've been ushered and raptured out. Seven-year tribulation period. The second coming, that's when we come back with Christ. And he comes back, the battle of Armageddon. During that time, it's a thousand years. Satan, in the beginning of this, he is thrown and locked up in prison. So he's thrown into a place of prison where he is held for about a thousand years. He's released at the end of this time. We'll talk more about that. The next period of time is called the eternal state. The eternal state is where we get the words like new heaven and new earth. Old things will be passed away. This period is a time when Satan is gone, the beast and the false prophet have been thrown into the lake of fire, 
no sin, no pain. We're with Jesus for eternity and we will be as perfect as we've ever been perfect. In 1 John 3, 2 says, we will be as he is. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. We'll have access between. We'll be able to move intermittently between the two. But this is what we're headed toward for those who are Christ followers. Anybody glad because of that? That's where we'll end up. Now, let me pause by saying this today. Truth is this. When you know Christ, this is where you end up. And sometimes we can get lost in all these details. The point of bringing this out today isn't to walk away with your head exploding with facts and figures and dates and say, yeah, I know when that is. If you have all that information and it doesn't change your heart and you, or you don't become a missional person, then it's not worth having that information. Our goal as Christ followers is for us to become messengers of the good news so that no one is left behind. So that's what's on the horizon, the next events that take place. Well, let's read about it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. We'll set it up by setting up the next event. Stand with me and we'll read it out loud together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. This is what's coming next. This is what I'm about to read and you're about to read is the event called the rapture. Let's read it, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. Ready, read. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You have a seat. That's what I'm trying to do today. Encourage you with these words. Now, here's what it tells us. This briefly describe what takes place during the rapture. The rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that there are two kinds of people here on earth. Actually, three kinds. You have lost people who won't be raptured. They will be left behind because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. There will also, the passage says, that those who are dead will basically be raptured their bodies. So you'll have bodies in the grave during the rapture. Bodies in the grave. Maybe it's a body that's that's been murdered, that was a Christ follower and they've never found. Maybe it's, maybe it's been cremated. And by the way, there is nothing, no biblical evidence that cremation is a sinful thing to do. Cremation is, you want to talk about that with me at some other point? It's a perfectly fine biblical way to, to end this ceremony called life on earth. So, bodies in the grave will, it says, will go up in the air. The soul is already with God. Bodies in the grave, limbs, if a person's been dismembered, all the parts, they'll go. And then it says this, those of us who are still left, who are living, that could be us today. By the way, Christ 
could rapture the church before this service is over. Those who are still left could be raptured out. So it says the dead in Christ will rise first. The bodies, their souls are already in heaven. The next picture is that we who are still alive will go and meet him in the air. Those who don't know Christ are left behind to live during the tribulation period. That's what happens next. So the next major event on the timeline is the rapture. So what are some things that tell us that these events are about to take place? Remember what I said. Scripture gives no indication of signs that need to be fulfilled for the rapture. There are signs that need to be fulfilled for the second coming. So what are some things that must be fulfilled in order for the second coming of Christ and the rapture that precedes it? Well, number one, Israel must be a major player. Now, just pause and think about that statement for a second. Why in the world does it matter so much about Israel? Now, if you're a person who reads the news, and I am, how is it that a country of 7 million people gets headline after headline after headline after headline? Why are we so curious about what's happening on the Temple Mount? Why, are we, why do we constantly see on CNN.com and MSN.com? And why do you see on headline news? And why are there always broadcasting, hey, this is taking place in Israel. Why does a country the size of New Jersey get so much attention? Why do we keep talking about Israel and the Jewish people? Why is it important enough that a country that small gets great publicity and airtime in the world? Because it's with those people. It's a place where Jesus will return to, Scripture tells us, on the Mount of Olives. Israel is a prime player in the coming events of eschatology, which means future things. Think about this for a second. May 14th, 1948. May 14th, 1948 is a very significant point in history. And for those of you who are history scholars, in fact, my friend from college is here today who wants to be a history teacher. He, he would tell you this. It was a significant day in history because Israel was officially declared a nation. Now you might say, well, that's no big deal. Other places are declared a nation. Now I want you to think about this. Just a few years prior to that, in the 40s, was a great war called the World War II that took place in our world. During that time, a leader by the name of Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler, wanted to completely annihilate the Jewish people. So if you had blonde hair and blue eyes, you were gone. The Brown family, if they were, would have been Jewish, we were gone. They were literally, he wanted to wipe out the Jewish population. Now, for those people who were scholars of the Bible, they knew that this was significant because Israel has to be a prime player in future things. Just a few years later, after the end of World War II, Israel was declared a nation. In fact, do some study on history. The Jewish people were just 
just about completely wiped out. And yet by the time of 1948, just three years later, they became a nation and their population was at 6 million people. Let me just say it this way. How is it that a nation of only 7 million people becomes the geopolitical center of the world? It's because of this. Turn to Genesis chapter 12, and I'll show you why. Genesis chapter 12. Our Bible that records the events, I love the Bible because it begins, our our world begins in a a garden and it ends in a city. But look at Genesis chapter 12. Here's why it's important that we keep the Jewish-Israel remnant a major player in the end times. Look at Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 12, or chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a what kind of nation? And I will what you? And I will make your name what? And you will be a what? And I will bless those who what you? And whoever curses you, I will what? And all peoples on the earth will be what through you? Now, there's a lot of alls there. Here's what that means. God himself looked at Abraham. He says, through you, through your descendants, will all the nations be blessed. And not only did he say that, He said that whomever curses your people, the Jewish people, whomever tries to wipe them out, whomever tries to annihilate them, whoever has a bad report, whomever places a curse, I will curse. By the way, that command and that truth still applies to this day. God has his blessing on the Jewish people because His son, Jesus, will one day find himself on the Mount of Olives and returning to Israel. Out of that are four promises that play a significant part in the end times. And I want to share a few of those. But before I do that, I want you to think about something, how God has blessed Jewish people. From 1901 to 2007, over 106 years, there have been 777 Nobel Peace Prize winners. Since 1901 to 2007, there were 777 Nobel Peace Prize winners. 176 of them have been Jewish. Of the 6 billion people plus on the earth, 7 billion now, only 13 13 million are Jewish. 13 total. It's climbing. 13 million people are Jewish on planet Earth. Of the 7 billion, 13 million are Jewish. That means this. Less than two-thirds of 1% of the total world population have won 22.6% of the Nobel Peace Prizes. Why? Because God said through Abraham... I'm going to allow through your descendants to be blessed. It's evidence of their blessing that plays out and how they play primary role in our world. And they're such a small remnant. Yet out of there have come 176 Jewish Nobel Peace Prize winners. 
God promises to bless Abraham, he says in this account. God also promised to bring a great nation out of Abraham. 5.4 million in Israel are Jewish. There's 5 million Jewish people in the USA. And all that have, out of all that have ever lived, that is as numerous as the stars. In other words, God continues to bless the small number of Jewish people that are alive. By the way, let me just give you some, some family news here. Our Asia's Hope director of Thailand that cares for our children in Thailand and Chiang Mai. She oversees all the homes. It's those of you who sacrificed to give for Asia's Hope, the, the orphans that we've rescued in Thailand. About four years ago, there was a short-term missions team that came in from Canada to Thailand. And on this short-term mission team was a Jewish, unsaved man that came because someone invited this man to come and be part of this team. And the reason he wanted to be part of this Canadian mission team because he cared about orphan people. He wanted to help the orphans in our world. On this trip, he met this woman by the name of Tutu who happened to be single and the director of Asia's Hope in Thailand. In a matter of 10 days, they looked at each other and realized, ooh, I like him, ooh, I like her. He was Jewish and unsaved, but there was something about him that grabbed her heart. Long story short, this man, whose name is Dan, went back to Canada and he got surrounded by a local church who began to show him how the Jewish Messiah was evident in the Old Testament and how the Old Testament Jewish Jesus mention of him was fulfilled in the New Testament. He gave his life to Christ and now he ended up marrying Tutu and now we have a, a Messianic Jew who's helping oversee the Thailand orphans. That's awesome. <laughs> God promised to make a great nation out of Abraham. God promised to make Abraham a blessing to many. Look how he's done this. By the way, without the Jews, there would be no Bible. Think about that for a second. Without the Jews, there would be no Bible today. Without the Jews, there would have been no Jesus. We have a Jewish Messiah. Without Jewish Jesus, there would be no Christianity. Without the Jews, there would be no Ten Commandments. So has God blessed through the Jewish line? Absolutely yes. A small remnant of people. Quite a blessing fulfilled already that he promised through Abraham. Fourthly, we see a promise here. God promised to bless those that blessed Israel and curse those that didn't. No nation has blessed Israel more than the United States of America. And no nation has blessed, has been as blessed as the United States of America. So if you do a correlation, and if you're a student of the Bible, you can conclude logically. You bless Israel, you bless the Jewish people, guess who blesses you? However, with the most recent Oslo agreement, you can Google that in at some point this week, United States is very close to losing that blessing. Judgment, however, has fallen on those who curse Israel. It's fallen on Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome, Spain, 
Germany, and Russia because they wanted to wipe out the Jews. Study history. And they have been cursed as a result of not showering favor and blessing on the Jews. Why is this significant? Because Israel has to reemerge in her homeland to set the stage for the final fulfillment of biblical prophecies. Without this, we can never say that we are in our last days. Israel must be a nation for the rapture to occur. And guess what? She is. In fact, this week, just Google temple being rebuilt in Israel. You will see that the plans are in place for a temple to be rebuilt so that Christ can come back and fulfill what he said he would do with the second coming of Christ. So much is wrapped up in this little nation. They long for peace, and this peace treaty, once signed, will literally usher in the tribulation period, signed by the Antichrist. Some have asked me this question, and maybe you want to know the answer to this question. If America is so blessed, then why aren't they mentioned in the end times prophecy? You know, people have tried to finagle and twist and use metaphors and say, well, there's USA, that's USA. When I study prophecy, I don't see the United States of America. And so you might ask, how could it be? We're a superpower. We, we, we have the best military in the world. How is it that, that if the rapture is about ready to occur because we know that Christmas is coming, the second coming, then how can the USA not be a primary player during the tribulation period and during the millennial reign? How is it possible that the USA appears not to be mentioned or even having a major role during the tribulation period? I think the answer is simple. I, I don't think it's rocket science to figure that out. If in fact that 25 to 30% of all the people that are raptured from America are gone, then the superpower of America will be gone because they're Christ followers. Now think about that for a second. If in fact the numbers are correct that 25 to 30% of people who are Americans call themselves legit Christ followers who have the Holy Spirit living in them, who serve God and work out their salvation with fear and trembling, and it's a genuine conversion. If in fact the numbers are correct, and it might even be higher, then our presence will be gone when the rapture occurs. Listen, we're out of here. And what that means, it diminishes the power numerically because we're gone. Now think about that for a second. 70 to 80 million people gone. Imagine the chaos just in America alone. And a need for a leader to surface who has answers to all the problems the world has. And this leader is known as the Antichrist. He will sweep the world off their feet, promise peace, order, and security. By the way, does anyone come to mind for you? There are lots of names that come to mind. The Antichrist. Some thought Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. Some even thought or think that Magic Johnson is. <laughs> Some have concluded recently because Dennis Rodman went to China or Korea and talked that he might be the Antichrist. If he is, Lord, take me home right now. Just, just take me home. <laughs> Let me just say this today. Instead of looking for the Antichrist, look for Jesus Christ. I mean, that's who's coming to get us. 
And for those of us, I have a pre-tribulational view of the end times. I'm not here to argue that. I mean, I'll go to scripture and tell you why, but it's senseless for me to argue for someone who's a mid-tribulationist. I have a pre-tribulationist view, and I think I have plenty of scripture to back that up. And I believe with all of my heart that the church will be raptured out before the tribulation period. And so that means this, many will be left behind. But listen, I'm not going to be left behind, not because of what I've done, but because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and I'm one of his kids. Anyone else happy they're one of his kids? This Antichrist will come out of this newly formed European Union. Just Google, do a Google search on the European Union. Okay, how about some signs of the second coming of Christ? Well, let me give you a few of these signs of the second coming of Christ. You might want to write these down. Many of them are found in Matthew chapter 24. It's called the Great Olivet Discourse. And you could go there and read Matthew chapter 24. And so I want you to just write down, here's some events that need to take place for, in Matthew chapter, it's okay, Spencer, we like having you join us. Matthew chapter 24. Here are some evidence and some evidence. Evidence that the second coming is about to take place. Christmas, so if that's coming, then, then Thanksgiving, the rapture must take place. Matthew 24 says there will be wars and rumor of wars. You know, some of these I write and I'd say, duh. I mean, think about how many wars are in our world today. How often we're talking about battles, this skirmish, this battle, this fight. Think about all this. Africa is inflamed in war daily. We also know this must be true from Ezekiel chapter 38. Chapter 38 and 39, that the rise of Russia will take place. Now, this is really significant because it wasn't that long ago. It was in my lifetime because I remember during the Olympics, it used to be called the Soviet Union, and they just won everything. Do you remember? It's like gymnastics and, you know, and even in basketball, they cheated on the clock. I mean, they, 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 they won everything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But the Soviet Union, as we know it, dissolved. And so there was this, this like, this, this word amongst Christians like, well, if Russia is being dissolved, then it must be a long time before the second coming of Christ because Russia isn't a prime player. But do you realize this? That Russia is quickly rising to be a superpower again. In fact, listen to some of these statistics regarding Russia. You might be surprised by hearing this. I'm not because... I think the rapture could occur before this service is over. Listen to this. Russia produces more oil than anyone else on the planet. The United States is in third place. Russia is number two oil exporter in the world. The United States is forced to import more oil than anyone else in the world. Russia produces more natural gas than anyone else on the planet. The United States is in second place. Russia supplies 34% of Europe's natural gas needs. The United States has a debt to GDP ratio of 101%. Russia has a ratio of, of only 8%. The United States has a trade deficit of more than half a trillion dollars last year. Russia consistently runs a large trade surplus. 
The United States has an employment, unemployment rate of 7.4%. Russia has a 5.4%. Since Vladimir Putin first became president of Russia, the Russian economy has grown at a very rapid pace. According to Bloomberg, Russia has added 570 metric tons of gold to the reserves over the past decade. In the United States, nobody seems to be quite sure how much gold the Federal Reserve has left. Moscow is the second most expensive city in the world. Meanwhile, the United States actually has the unfriendliest city in the world, Newark, New Jersey. More billionaires live in Moscow than any place in the whole entire world. The Moscow metro system completely outclasses the subway systems in D.C. and New York City. United States has the most powerful military on the planet. Guess who's in second right now? Russia, not China. Russia is. Russia has introduced a near-silent nuclear submarine, which is far more quiet than anything the USA has. And while President Barack Obama is neutering the U.S. strategic nuclear arsenal, Russia is working hard to modernize Russian nuclear forces. Russian missiles will hold more than 200 drills during the second half of 2013. It is estimated that Russia has more spies inside the United States today than it did during any point during the Cold War. Why do I tell you this? Not to cause you to panic or have fear. Listen to me. The second coming of Christ is, is near because these events are unfolding. And if the second coming of Christ and the events leading up to that, guess what? Thanksgiving is rapture. It could happen today. Russia is becoming a superpower before our very eyes. Russia is a prime player in the end times. Another event that's coming is capital. Capital and labor conflict. Just read in James chapter 5, and you'll see that. James 5, verse 6. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we thought, wow, the recession that took place was equal, some would say, to the Great Depression that happened early, way back in our history. Stock market, how, how volatile it can become and how one company can, can turn it in a different direction. The power of government during our Great Recession not long ago if it wasn't for the government intervention of some of our big three manufacturing vehicles, they wouldn't have survived if they didn't get a loan. In your lifetime, would you have ever thought that one of the big three would have to take a loan from the government to survive? There's great conflict. There will be increase, Daniel tells us, or Revelation in Daniel. Daniel 12 and verse 4 says an increase in travel and knowledge. Now, think through that for a second. You know, even in my lifetime, you know, I remember like 78 LPs. Anybody remember those? I remember the first time I pulled one of those out and, and, and my kids were, Josh was probably six or seven and we had this old phonograph. Some of you don't know what a phonograph is. And there was this big album that I pulled out and, and I pulled it out and Josh asked me, Dad, that's a huge CD. <laughs> 
I mean, in your lifetime, think about eight-track players. You remember driving in your car and you thought you were cool and it was clunk, 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 clunk. You had to listen to the first song on track one and you had to listen the whole way through so you could listen to the second song on track three. Do you remember that? And you couldn't record. And then it moved to cassette. And we're like, wow, cassettes rock. Until they got all twisted up inside. You're just trying to pull them out. I mean, think about the advancement that we're seeing in technology even today. Think about finger swipes on your laptops. Thumb recognition that you can sweep over. Think about how the passport has changed. I renewed my passport about four years ago because it was 10 years old. And my old passport didn't have this capability. But the new passports you buy, it has a chip inside of it. You know why that chip's inside of it? So they can scan you from 50 meters away and you don't even know it and gather all the information on your passport that's recorded in the the, the books where the passports are recorded. All they have to do is throw a scanner out and they can get all your information while you're walking through the airport. There is technology today. There is nowhere in this world that you can go that they can't find you. Even now in America, there are places in the Midwest that animal owners have already installed chips. Quick surgery can be done in minutes. Put this chip that costs pennies. Instead of having a collar around the neck of a dog that has a tag on it that says the owner, now all you have to do is get a barcode and just scan the animal that's running stray in your yard. That's Bob's, 744 Number Street. There is technology already that when babies are born, they will insert a chip into the child so that the child can be scanned by his parents, knowing where that child is at. It can have recall information. If it runs away, you can, on, like you can find your iPad if you have an uh, Apple product. And if you put find my iPhone and you open up your iPad and there's a dot and you've got to find your way, you'll be able to find your children who are lost or kidnapped or whatever it is. Technology is in place right now. Why is that important? Because we'll see in the weeks ahead that there will be this mark that's placed on the forehead and on the palm of the hand that people will need, the mark of the beast, 666, that you'll need it to be scanned to receive food and care during the tribulation period. Grace Community Church, we are living in the last days. Unless you have been spending your time underground storing up for, for an event and you haven't turned on the TV or you don't own an electronic product, these are the last days. Increase in travel. GPS systems. How many of you don't even open up a map anymore? How many of you just listen to Sally or whatever her name is and she's always telling you, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> I mean, I could end up in Waterloo, Iowa, trying to get west, if I just listened. And if she sent me north, I would listen to her. I don't know where I am half the time, but she does. Technology continues to increase and advance. We also know that this will be true. A one world government. (laughs) If you don't think that isn't about to happen, then crawl out of your hole and and breathe. Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 17 that there will be a one world government that the political leader called the Antichrist will come from. There will be a moral breakdown. And 
when this, before the second coming takes place. Scripture tells us this will be a moral breakdown, 2 Peter 3. There will be scoffers, 2 Timothy chapter 3. There will be apostasy on the land. Watered down truths, easy believing them says things like this. Even in our community, it says, oh, there's many ways to God. Just come, let's hug each other. In fact, let's go hug a tree and hug God at the same time. Listen, if you don't think that there isn't that believism in our world today, wake up, read the newspaper, listen to the news. We are headed to easy believism. And when I read my Bible, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Not through Buddha, not through plurality, but through Jesus only. And Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, 27, it says man is destined to die once and face judgment, not come back and be reincarnated and become an elephant in Thailand. You die, you face judgment, the Bible says. Why do I tell you this? Church, don't run with people who tell you, oh, there's many ways. Let's get Muslims together. Allah, he's just like Yahweh. He isn't. It's deception, it's a lie, it's apostasy. And if you dare think it isn't taking place, wake up, church, wake up. We also know from Scripture in Matthew 24 that there will be earthquakes, King James says, in diverse places, many places. Famine in the land. Just Google. There are earthquake registers on the Internet. I looked at a few this week that record every earthquake that happens Do you realize that there were 200 earthquakes last week in our world? They're happening all the time. Many earthquakes are taking place. What needs to take place next? The land or our city or our country must be ripe for a leader to emerge to bring peace. And this leader must emerge and his name is the Antichrist. So the Antichrist must emerge. Those of us who follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we understand the Trinity as the three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's an evil Trinity that's called Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And so the Antichrist must appear on the scene. The term Antichrist will be Satan's Superman who will persecute and kill the people of God and lead his army into the battle of Armageddon. We'll talk in detail about that at the, at the second coming of Christ. Now, here are some names in the Bible for the Antichrist. You might want to write these down. He's known as the prince yet to come in Daniel 9, 26. He's known as the fierce king in Daniel 8, 23. He's known as the master of intrigue in Daniel 8, 23. He's known as a despicable man in Daniel eleven twenty one. not despicable me. He's known as a worthless shepherd in Zechariah eleven sixteen to 17. He's known as the one who brings destruction, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. He's known as the lawless one, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. He's known as the evil man, 2 Thessalonians 2.9. 
He's known as the beast in Revelation 13 and 1. We'll talk more in detail about the Antichrist. But I want to give you some characteristics of this man who will walk on the scenes and woo the masses and he will be a peacemaker and for the first three and a half years of the tribulation the unsaved world will follow him and by the way i believe he's alive right now i believe he's alive today here are some characteristics about this antichrist he will be a charismatic leader he has to be In fact, scripture tells us that in Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. He'll have to be a great orator and communicate. Somehow, when the rapture takes place, he's going to have to be able to stand up in front of the nations on network and say, hey, this is what has taken place. Don't worry about it. The technology that we have today, we can do all kinds of stuff with video. Someone has said, well, how in the world would they make up all that chaos when you're driving your car and, and, and two people will be in a bed, Matthew 24 says, and one will be left and one will be raptured. How can, have you seen some of the video technology today? If you're a baseball fan, there's a, a viral YouTube video that's out on YouTube and it shows this guy who's batting and he's able to hit this ball to like third base net, shortstop net, second base net, pitcher net. And it's like, wow, how does he do that? Listen, it's video editing. That isn't possible, by the way. The technology that we have can do amazing things. He will also be an attractive person that leaves you and, and most of us out and me out. He'll be an attractive person So when I looked in the mirror today, I said, I guess I'm not the Antichrist. (laughs) He would be an attractive person. We find that in Daniel 7.20. Put good looks, charismatic leader, great orator together, and you can woo the masses of people to believe whatever they want to believe. He will be a cunning leader, Scripture tells us. He'll be strategic and and wise leader. He'll have to be to guide people through. You can find that in Daniel 11, 21. He will also be a cruel leader. You see, during the first three and a half years, he'll come on the scene. He'll be like making peace, signing these treaties. And then the second half of the tribulation, we'll look at that. The great tribulation, he will just be on a vengeance to wipe out and kill everybody. He will be politically inconspicuous. I'm not even going to try to spell that. It means this, because I can't. He'll come on with a lot of not much fanfare. It's like, wow, where did he come from? How in the world did he get in that position? I'd never heard of him before he was elected into that role. It's like, out of nowhere, he'll appear on the scenes, politically inconspicuous, and then he'll gain more power and more power and more power and people will begin looking to him prior to the rapture and after the rapture he'll rise and lead the one world government Daniel 7 he will be a Gentile some thinks he will be a Jew I think he'll be a Gentile he will be spiritually blasphemous 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4 he'll start out listen to me listen to me he'll start out saying I'm a follower of Christianity I'm born again. He'll label himself a Christ follower and then stuff will surface and come out and you'll be like, wait a minute, this doesn't match. But he'll begin to woo the masses. Listen, by the way, 
We'll never know who he is, so don't even try it. Look for Jesus Christ and not the Antichrist. We're out of here before that. But he could be alive and well today. And he will be limited providentially. Revelation 13, verses 5 to 7. He'll only be able to do what God allows him to do. By the way, here's what you need to know today. God is in sovereign control of all the details of eschatology. Complete control of it. And so when you see these over the next couple of weeks, you'll wonder, where is God? He's in complete control, and he's laying out the plan that was before the foundation of the world to rescue his own and take him to be with him, just like he said he would in John 14. And he's coming back to gather those who get saved during the great tribulation period. So what, I, what do we do with this information? You probably have notes, and you're saying, I wish I could have went like this. Here's what I know to be true. You don't want to be left behind. And here's what I know to be true too. This is where we're at right now, today. There's a bunch of events that happen here. Here's what I know to be true. This this eternal state. Point of the matter is this. No matter what happens here, you and I are going to end up here. (laughs) If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when I began studying this, here's what happens to me. I know all these people who don't know Jesus Christ. And my heart breaks for them. I have friends, and you do too. And I have neighbors. I have colleagues from school that don't know Jesus. I have relatives that don't know Christ. And if they don't come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they'll end up in hell. And so when I read these end time events, it causes me to say, Jim, get missional. Jim, have a bold faith. Jim, tell your church, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, the gospel was never meant to stop with you. It's meant to be passed on. Secondly, I'll close with this. Here's what else this means. You need to get rid of the non-negotiables in your life. Because Matthew 7 says this, many will think that they're saved, but only a few will enter. So think about your life. What are the things that you are consumed with? It could be your husband. It could be your wife. It could be your job. It could be a career. It could be a thing that you want. It could be a business. If those things are taking more of your time and your consumption of thought, and not only that, if there are things that have become non-negotiables that you would say, I would never give that up for Christ. And listen to me, if you're valuing things more than you're valuing Jesus, they have become idols and you're in trouble. What are your non-negotiables? What takes up the majority of your time? Is it following hard after Jesus Or, boy, I got to make this event in six months and I want to be the very best at it. I want to climb the ladder. I need this job. Is that consuming your time that you think that's what you need? And if God himself came to you and said, I want you to give that up, would you give that up for the cause of Christ? If you're not willing to give it up, then you are probably worshiping that more than you're worshiping Jesus Christ. So ask yourself this question in closing. What are your non-negotiables? 
do you have them? Really, there should only be one, Jesus Christ. Who needs to know the good news of Jesus Christ? If they don't, Scripture says, then you are to be the messenger of that truth. How will they know unless someone tells them? God, help us today. I pray, Jesus, that we would not get lost in the details. But Lord, this would propel us to tell others about Jesus. I pray that, Spirit, that you would convict us to examine our own hearts, to ask the hard questions. I pray, Spirit, that you would compel us to be a bold witness. And I pray, Jesus, that in the days and weeks ahead that many would come to Christ because, Jesus, I'm praying, just come quickly, Jesus, come quickly. Take us to be with you. We don't want to be left behind. In Jesus' name, amen.